Hello, today I wanted to share with you how the Lord has helped me to overcome all my anxieties and, and worries. I say, Pastor Hillary, do you, do you get anxious and worried? Yes, I do. <laughs> um, and it's kind of a family thing because my granny was the best in the West at worrying and unfortunately it's a learned behavior. But um, let me tell you a little story. One morning I was, um, it was my quiet time with the Lord. But actually I was really fellowshipping with my, I think I want, I feel, I think I want, I feel. And I was fellowshipping with the problems and I was going down and down and down. And then I remembered the words of a very wise man who said, here stands a man who knows absolutely nothing, doing all the talking to the one who knows everything. I thought, Lord, yes, I've been doing all the talking. I said, Lord, here sits a woman who knows absolutely nothing, talking to the almighty God, who is all wise and knows absolutely everything. I will be quiet, and I do ask you to speak to me. And after a little while, um, this plant caught my attention, and this was a gift from Derek on one of our wedding anniversaries, and um, I was looking at it exactly as I am showing you now. And I thought, well, why are the flowers all facing in one direction? I mean, you know, why are they facing that particular direction? And I realized that they were facing the sunshine. They were facing the window. And, of course, it is the most beautiful, beautiful plant. At least I think it is. And the Lord was saying to me, he said, there is no plant that on this earth that will choose to face the darkness. They will always turn and face the light. And I must confess, any plant I've ever had, I, I would even turn it round, and by the morning, the, the flowers were beginning to turn round to face the sunshine. And I remembered um, in, um, in our garden, well, we had a lot of bushes and ivy and things, and there was actually a rose bush in it. It wasn't a climber, but um, the people who came to help us, they said, look up there. And 15 feet up, there was a beautiful yellow rose. And they said, we have never seen a rose on the end of a 15-foot stalk. And this dear plant had struggled and struggled and climbed all the way up through the tree to reach the light. And there was another shrub where the branches had actually leaned over about three feet um, to, to get to the light. And I realized that the plants have a great wisdom. And the Lord was saying to me, I want you to turn your back on the darkness, which is all those worries, all those anxieties, all I think I feel I want. Turn your back on them and turn your face to face my sunshine. S-O-N, my sunshine. And so he continued to remind me that every tree that he created would do anything to reach the light because the light meant life, the darkness means death. And so as I obeyed the Lord, I set my face, as it were, like flint, away from what I think I feel I want. I'm worried, I'm anxious from all these feelings that were churning around. And I thought, Lord, I will face you. I will worship you. I will love you because you deserve it. And do you know, I felt the power of God, not in zip, bang, whop, but I just felt this amazing strength just flowing through my whole body. 
And I remember I had an extremely busy day and it was like I just floated through it. I had all this energy. Whereas before I turned my face to the Lord, I was exhausted. And so what was happening, I, I didn't realize, but I was exalting, I think I want, I feel. I was exalting my problems above the knowledge of God. And as far as I see it, that I was making an idol of these things because an idol is anything that becomes between you and God. And God told the Israelites in Exodus 34, 13, but you shall destroy their altars. You shall break their sacred pillars and you will cut down their wooden images. And I realized I had got to turn my back on these things as it were, cut them down because they were idols before the Lord. Because my quiet time was supposed to be put God first. But I was putting me first, what I want, what I think, what I feel. And I want to put him first, to love him, to praise him, to honor him, to thank him. And um, a dear friend of mine, Adriana, was saying when she was speaking to the church, just remember all the accidents that you haven't had, how God has saved you. And when I began thinking about this, do you know, the Lord opened my eyes. There were so many mere misses. Um, it sounds like I was a terrible driver and I was trying to drive it into people, but there were near misses. And I realized, but for the grace of God. For instance, the other day, there was um, a dear soul who came in on the left lane. I was going straight ahead and they shot straight across me. And I mean, I slammed the brakes on before I really realized what was happening. And I realized, thank you, Lord, that was you saving me. And we have so much so much to thank God and to read his word, feed our spirit on his word and to listen to him. Now for someone who does a lot of talking like me, listening, how can I say, isn't the easiest thing in all the world. But the Lord is teaching me just to be quiet and listen to him, to worship him, to magnify him, not to magnify all my problems because you see, I was wallowing in self-pity. Um, and I was magnifying the, de the, the devil's works. But now every time I look at my beautiful orchid, I remember I shall turn my face and look at the sunshine. And I will magnify him and I will honor him and I will glorify him. You see, the book of Psalms exhorts us to thank and praise God. Psalm 95, oh come, let us sing unto the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord, because the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In his hand, this is amazing, in his hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. And you know that word thanksgiving, um, the Hebrew is toda, and it's derived from the verb, verb yada, which is to give thanks. And out of that yada is the word yad, which is hand, and actually it literally means to lift or extend one's hands in thanks to him. So when you see people lifting their hands in church, it's, it's right and proper, it's biblical. We lift our hands in surrender and worship to him. We are acknowledging, Lord, you are the great mighty God. And so we worship him. 
And then um, we go to verse, um, let me see, in Psalm 95, verse 6. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. For he is our God, because he is our God. And we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Let's look at Psalm 99, verse 5. Exalt the Lord our God and worship at his footstool. He is holy. Now that word worship, shas, I can't even pronounce it properly. It's a Hebrew word and it sounds like shacha. And it means to bow, to stoop, to bow before someone as an act of submission and reverence. To fall down when paying homage. And also the primary meaning of that word, shakha, is to make oneself low. And so it's used in contrast to you exalt the Lord, but you make yourself low. You lift him up high and you bow yourselves low before him at the place of his feet. You put him first. However you're feeling, whatever's happening, however the needs of, of, of life are bombarding you, you say, I will praise the Lord. I worship him. There's a sacrifice of praise when it's not easy. And that is such sure proof to the Lord of our love and devotion. However dry we feel, we put him first. Why do we do that? He's holy. When we turn our attention from ourselves, you see, when my attention is on myself, it's death to me because I just get more, more depressed and more miserable and more unhappy. But when I turn my attention on him, the perfect one, the holy one, the lovely one, then we receive his strength, we receive his deliverance, we receive his ability because as we look at him, we are continually infused with his life. But we do have an enemy. And that enemy understands the power there is in worshipping God. And so he seeks to distract us and to discourage us. He is a prince of distraction. I mean, I have found it from the phone um, to the front doorbell, to the cat, to the dog, to my own thoughts. Distraction, distraction. And so he tells us, that thought that goes through my mind, you're not worthy to praise God. Oh, you're a hypocrite. You don't feel like it. Um, and you, you, know, you weren't good this morning. Um, who do you think you are to praise the Lord, to worship him? So the devil reminds us of our failings and of what we are not. But God, he delights in affirming us and he reminds us of who we are in Christ Jesus. And God says, you know, don't you know that you are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God dwells in you? And he reminds us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And God says, you know, when you've sinned, this is what you do. In 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, when we've confessed our sins, we believe by faith in the blood of Jesus Christ that cleanses us from all unrighteousness. We walk free to love and serve the Lord. And it's by faith in the power of the blood of Jesus that we silence the enemy. 
Let's remember Israel. I mean, this wonderful people, they put God to the test time without number. Did he abandon them? Say, well, I've had it with you. I'm just going to leave you in the wilderness. No, he didn't. And he brought them out into the promised land. How much more will God be ever present with you when you call upon him, when you seek him? You see, you are in if you have received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are in blood covenant with the Lord and he will not break it. We can be unfaithful, we are unfaithful, but he is faithful and will never break it. And I honestly, I, I can't help but say, get Derek's CDs on the blood covenant. It is just so, so good. You see, the devil reminds us of our shortcomings, but God reminds us who we are in Christ Jesus. And God reminds us of what we can do. Devil says, oh, you can't do it, it's impossible, you can't do it. And God says, you can do all things through Christ Jesus, who continually infuses you with his strength and with his ability. When I am weak, then I am strong, because I know that it's his ability flowing through me. Now, what do we do in response to these, these attacks that the devil brings upon us? Well, we take authority over that liar because he is a liar. And Jesus gave us, every believer, all authority over all the power of the enemy. Let's just look at that scriptural support, actually. Luke ten nineteen, Jesus says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And 1 John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and you have overcome them. Why, how? Because greater is he who is in you than he that is in the world. Remember that the Spirit of God is dwelling in you. You can command the enemy to leave your thoughts, leave your feelings, you know, I, I rebuke you, I command you to leave my feelings, I command you to leave my thoughts, I command you to leave my presence in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not your strength or your shouting, it's the name that's above all names, the name of Jesus that causes the devil to flee. Stand your ground because the devil, he's a persistent cuss, he likes to come back again and again and again. Don't give up, don't feel bad, don't feel like you failed, just keep kicking him out again and again. Don't allow him to steal those amazing, precious times in God's presence. Don't deny your spirit, the life-giving presence of God. This is such a privilege for us as believers. Don't let the devil um, cause us to deny our spirit that amazing privilege. And you know, really the best way to silence the devil is to press on into the presence of God. Just press on worshiping him and praising him. And it will be like coming, flying through the clouds. You will come out into the sunshine of his presence. He's there all the time, but you may not feel him all the time. And you know, if you've got ice and you put it over a flame, the ice will melt. It cannot stay in the presence of the flame. The devil cannot stay and torment you in the presence of the living God. As you worship him, God says, I dwell in the praises of my people. His presence, manifest presence, comes. And you know, we need to understand and remember that however dry 
or spiritually we may feel or things may seem, God is very near to us. He's near to you. He hasn't gone away. Um, he's not, God isn't confused. And God isn't playing hide and seek like, oh, I'm hiding, try and find me. No, he's there. He's there with his arms outstretched. And for some reason, natural or spiritual or because I find with myself because of a preoccupation and anxiety with um, certain problems, I just don't sense his presence. You see, but God desires you with a greater passion and unconditional love that you will ever be able to fathom in this life. You see, God gave his very life to redeem you. Honestly, he sacrificed everything, everything to bring you close, to bring you into his loving embrace. He loves you desperately. You know, someone said, if only one person on this earth had ever sinned, and it was you, God still would have sent his son. Jesus still would have come. He would have suffered the appalling torture that he did before he was crucified and the horrendous pain of a crucifixion. And let's remember when he was being nailed to the cross, I cannot imagine the excruciating pain. It says, but Jesus, I'm sure that the others were screaming abuse and obscenities, but Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He loves you that much. You see, but God proved his love. Some people say, oh, I love you. Um, and there's no action to prove it. In fact, they sometimes behave like they couldn't care less. But God proved his love for you by separating himself from his own beloved son, Jesus Christ, when he became your sin substitute, when he became my sin substitute. Imagine the father and the son had never ever been separated in all of eternity. But for that time when Jesus took upon himself my sins and your sins, he was separated from the father. Why did he do this? Jesus didn't have to do it for himself. It was so that you and I would never have to experience that separation from the Father and how awful it is. But some people do experience that because they reject God's solution, God's answer, God's redemption, the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know, if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God is never, ever, ever going to pull his presence away from you. He's never going to leave you to wander in the wilderness of bewilderment and loneliness and frustration. When you turn to his sunlight, loneliness, bewilderment, frustration, confusion, they all melt away and you receive the wisdom of the Lord. Believe me, you do. Um, another little illustration, God is so kind to me because I like simple illustrations. And I was fiddling with some tiny buttons and, you know, I just couldn't seem to get them done up. I mean, it sounds an easy thing. They're tiny little things and it was like a new buttonhole and these wretched things wouldn't go in and there, had to, there was 10 of them and I was in a rush. And I really got, you know, all of a doodah. I felt 
the Lord kind of opened my eyes to see. I was in the dark. I had my back to the light. As soon as I turned towards the window where all the sunshine was coming in, I could see clearly. And I did them up very quickly. Problem solved. And the Lord said, see how easy it is when you turn to the light. In the same way, when you focus your attention on me, on my word, and you praise me, my light will show you exactly what to do. And I actually had a problem at that time, and I really didn't know what to do. And as I had that revelation from the Lord, look, you know, just turn your back on it, look to the light. And I just knew that I knew what to do. Guess what? It was do nothing, actually. Trust him. God said, just trust me. Leave this problem with me. And do you know what I actually did? Um, I like to do sort of visual things. And so I actually um, drew an imaginary line where I was standing. And on this side, I said, um, Lord, you've told me that to, I have to cast all my cares upon you. I'm not to fret or worry about anything. And uh, when I step over that line, I'm saying, Lord, it's in your hands, and I refuse to think about it, and if the thoughts come to me, I will reject them. And so um, I stepped over the line, and guess what? The thoughts were there. And I said, aha, <laughs> I refuse you because I know you're just trying to mess with my mind. You see, when we get into the area of the mind, the devil can stir us up and cause confusion. When we get into the area of faith, I am trusting God. I don't know what to do, but God is almighty God. I've put it in his hands, and I utterly, utterly trust him. Actually, another illustration, this is when we were driving here. Um, and dear Ricky, who produces our programs, he's rescued us on more than one occasion um, because we're very attached to our car, but it has broken down on two occasions. And um, we were coming up Sutcombe Hill, which is a very steep hill and narrow, um, and we broke down there. Uh, but when I was praying about today, I kept seeing that hill, and I thought, well, maybe it's just me being frightened of going up that hill. And I saw the car breaking down on the hill. Now I thought, you know, I'm sure this is God. Um, and I took the car in and guess what? Um, the exhaust was completely gone. We had one liter of oil in the car and they said you would have ground to a grinding halt. And they didn't know we were going up a hill, going up a hill. But anyway, I still felt a bit scratchy about that hill. When you say scratchy, I like, I had a lot of peace, a lot of relief when I had the car put right. But then this morning again, and then I said, it's no good, Lord. Um, if, if we're not to go up that hill, I trust you to tell Derek, because he's not going to take too much notice of me. So I utterly trust you with my husband that you will speak to him. And I just actually forgot about it. And we were literally, I th oh gosh, Oh, it was less than half a mile, a quarter of a mile from this hill. And Derek absolutely took my breath away. He said, um, I think we ought to take the other route. And my mouth just dropped open. I thought, God has spoken to my husband. <laughs> Hallelujah. And I realized 
that because I'd put it in his hands, I stopped worrying about it, that God was able to speak to Derek, and Derek didn't have mine. We shouldn't really go up that hill getting in the way. And praise God, we came up the hill and safe and sound. And so what I want us to do also is to just imagine for a moment what it's like for God when people pray. Can you imagine? Now, there's a film. I can't remember what it's called. Um, but this guy, um, so-called, has uh, the same power as God. And all the prayers come to him. And he's going mad with all these voices. And so let us imagine almighty God, all the voices that are coming to him in heaven. He's in heaven. And, you know, they're saying, heal me, get me out of this problem, give me a wife, give me a husband, rescue me from my wife, rescue me from my husband, I need money, bless me, anoint me, give me a great ministry. Why aren't you answering me, God? You don't love me anymore. You have forsaken me. I hate you. Why don't you answer my prayers? Why don't you speak to me? you know, one's talking too much anyway to hear. I need help. I need it now, not later. You give me help now. I've praised and thanked you, but you haven't given me what I want. And on and on and on and on. Words of cursing and blaspheming mixed together with all the voices as it's coming up to God until suddenly a soft and gentle voice is heard, so very different from the rest. Dear Heavenly Father, I haven't come to ask you for anything. I just want to sit at your feet and tell you how very much I love you. Oh, Father, I thank you for all your kindness and your goodness and your patience to me. I couldn't stay away from your presence. I just want to spend time with you today. I appreciate you more than words could ever tell you. Oh, Father, you are the center of my universe. You are the love of my life. You are my exceedingly great reward. You are my portion forever. You are everything I have ever asked for. You are everything I've ever dreamed of. I come to you to lay down all my love, all my life at your feet. I bless you, precious Father. I worship you with all my heart. Eyes cannot exist in flame. The devil and his baggage, his baggage of defeat and stress and worry and anxiety and inferior complexes, bewilderment and confusion, they cannot exist in the presence of Almighty God. Press into his presence. Praise him by faith and not by feelings. Worship him. The Lord will lift you out of that dark hole. He will give you his peace and his wisdom for that situation that you're facing right now. Let's come together and tell our Heavenly Father how much we love him. Dear Heavenly Father, we just want to sit at your feet and tell you how much we love you. We want to thank you for all your kindness and your goodness and your patience to us. We love to be in your presence. We want to spend time with you today. Lord, you are the center of our universe. In Jesus' name. Amen.